Next Sunday is the beginning of a new sermon series, and we're going to look at the gift of prayer. I just know that in my own personal life, I don't use prayer enough. And so we're going to focus in on this for six, seven weeks, and we're going to look at the gift of prayer, and we're going to encourage you and me to use this gift as we navigate through 2021 and also the rest of our life. So, love for you to join us, whether it's live streaming, again, welcome, or if you can come here, we'd love to have you here. We're going to look at this, and you can also look forward to an email that will be sent out to you the Monday after, and it's going to give you some Bible verses to look up and just encourage this aspect of prayer throughout your week, not just on one day of the week. So, love for you to be a part of it. Also, let you know January 10th, I know this is exciting, but we're going to have a voters meeting. It's the, it's the voters meeting where we sit and we talk about the vision for the next year. And we're going to be talking budget and all that. And I'm, I'm kind of smiling because last year, it was in December, we had our voters meeting. And we had no idea that COVID was going to come. And yet God's grace and mercy was good throughout the year. We have been so blessed. So if you would come, it's, it's a great uh, um, opportunity for you to hear firsthand what are we thinking for 2021. And then you, because you and me, we make up the church, will be praying about and voting about the vision of 2021. So please come and be a part of it. Well, I want to welcome our guests here. We're glad you're with us in worship, whether you're here or live stream. Uh, we, we're so thankful um, that you have come, and we would love for you to come again and be fed and nurtured and join in as we take this journey in life together. If you are a guest, we'd love to know that you're here, again, whether live stream or in person. You can text 1C guest to 94000, and that will let us know that you're here, and uh, we could begin the conversation. If you have questions about uh, mission and ministry at 1C, we can answer that for you. Also, for prayers, if you're here today and you've got something on your heart or mind, whether it's a prayer of thanksgiving or a prayer of concern, you can text your prayers to 402-242-5051. Or again, if you are on Facebook Live, you can actually put it in the comment section, and then we will include it in our worship time together today. And last but not least, we're going to be having communion a little bit later in the service. And here at 1C, we believe that it's bread, wine, body, and blood for the forgiveness of sins, to strengthen our faith, and to remind us once again that he's always with us. And so if you did not get those elements um, and uh, you'd like to join us, go into the family gathering area by the kitchen window and they will be available for you. It'll be the bread and or wine or juice. Again, for our celebration a little bit later. That's it for announcements. I want to invite you to stand and let's worship our Lord.
Christ the ever 
You may be seated. Did you know what the word Noel means? Yeah, we do now. We do now. Um, it's, it's a Hebrew word, actually, put together, two Hebrew words. Um, the first part, norad, which means born of, and then the word el, E-L, is one of the names of God that we find in the Old Testament. So it's born of God. So when we sing that, we're not just singing a nice little ditty, but we're actually talking about the fact that this Jesus whom we've come to worship is born of God for a reason and a purpose for people like you and me. Because he loves people like you and me. Because he knows that people like you and me struggle with sin, we kind of stumble and fall, and if we were left on our own, we would be lost for eternity. But he knew, God, that by sending his son and by him living a perfect life, by him dying for the sins of the world and then rising again in victory, people like you and me have hope and we can have peace, we can have joy, we can have life like he intended us to have. So I want to take you and me on a journey in prayer and we're going to confess our sins. We're going to lay those before him because that's the only place we're ever going to find consolation and peace. And then I'm going to remind you of the forgiveness that comes in Jesus. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, you, you decided to do and to take into your own hands what only you can handle. You saw humanity, you saw the sin, you saw our separation, you saw our destiny, and it was not very good. So you gave your only son to be born, and we remember that um, as we celebrate it on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, we keep celebrating that birth and what it means for us. And we pray your Holy Spirit will keep stirring within all of us a, a deeper understanding of how much you love us and also the desires you have for your children. So may that spirit remind us that forgiveness comes in you alone. And we know that because of the forgiveness and because of all that Jesus did, we have life. And it's, it's peace and it's joy, it's love, it's, it's a life like none other. So teach us, Lord, to keep celebrating um, your son's birth. And may we live that out with all that we do. Thank you for your goodness and grace and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
you to take the elements out at this time. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you first uh, from the scriptures. It's called the words of institution. It's where Jesus started this, this gift and this meal. Uh, if you recall, they were actually meeting in that upper room to celebrate the Passover, which was something God commanded them to, to do. And they were remembering the time where God spared his people and saved his people from Pharaoh and Egypt. And then in, in that upper room, Jesus gave this whole new meaning and purpose for this meal. It's not just for the past, but it's also for the present and the future. And we get to share in this meal now and for eternity. So let me share with you from the scriptures first. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread and after he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And then in the same way also, he took the cup after supper. And after he'd given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink of it, all of you. 
This cup is the New Testament of my blood, which is given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. So if you would, open up the bread. And then if you would, take and eat. This is the body of Christ given for you. And if you would, open up the wine or the juice. And take and drink. This is the blood of Jesus shed for you. And now may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you and preserve you steadfast in the one true faith to life everlasting. Depart in peace. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we just thank you for this time of year. We celebrate the gift of your Son to bring us redemption and salvation. Prayers for a friend who doubts God and struggles with mental illness. Prayers for him to find peace in you, Lord. Prayers for my brother Chris Olson and my nephew Ethan, both who have been tested positive for COVID-19. Prayers of gratitude and thanks for my wonderful husband and, th and sons. A prayer of thanks and praise for the quick healing after my surgery. Thank you for all your prayers. Father, we just thank you for the unspoken prayers here this morning that are weigh upon us and that you know them. You know what we, we need and what we care for and, and yearn for. And we just thank you for, for being there with us through life. Join me as we say the prayer that the Lord taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
Heavenly Father, that uh, night 2,000 years ago when you decided to, um, to show up and to make a difference in a powerful way in a little town, in a manger, in the darkness of the night, away from the city, you changed the course of human history. We pray now that as we gather, as we look at your word, the scriptures, you would send us your Holy Spirit because really this, this message is, is beyond our comprehension. Why would an eternal, powerful God love people like us? It's because you have this infinite love. So may your spirit uh, give us the faith to believe that and to open up our eyes, our ears, our hearts to the truth of your word for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're going to take a, a little bit of a journey. And let me just tell you this. I'm going to encourage you to do something ridiculous. Don't get caught up in Valentine's Day yet. In other words, bask in Christmas. 
Don't be so quick to put everything away and get this, you know, moving. Hang on to this story of the birth of Christ because it, it was an intentional act for you and for me. So hold on to that. Look at those lights and remember how Jesus is that light of the world. Hold on to the fact that that scene right here was made for you so that we can have peace and joy and hope. So hold on to that just for a little bit longer, if you would, at least till next weekend. And we're going to celebrate Epiphany and we're going to celebrate prayer and we're going to look at God and his work for us. So uh, I don't know about you, but there are questions that are often asked after Christmas and kind of before New Year's. And they really kind of poke at, you know, how do you look at, like, last year? So if I can have that first question up on the screen. So you, you can have the question, did you get what you wanted for Christmas? That's a, a, it's a loaded question. It's, it's, it's kind of powerful. Um, how about this? What were you looking and hoping for? And then we can even ask, you know, how was your 2020? And we won't even go there yet. Okay, we'll talk about that. But here's what I want to do, is I'm going to show you a picture, and it, it, for me, it's a, a moment down memory lane. Um, uh, the big guy there, that's me. And the little girl is my daughter, Rose. She is our firstborn. She is our oldest. She was our experiment in life, if you know what that means. So we bring her home, and, and for, that, for a week, a month, I don't remember, it feels like, like 100 years, she had this time between 5 and 8 o'clock. It was, it was. She would cry, and people would say it was colicky or whatever. We would try everything under the sun to try to calm her down. And we couldn't find anything. Finally, we would be so exhausted, and that would be her and us, um, that, I mean, the picture of me sitting on my great-grandma's re, uh, rocking chair, we were both exhausted. She was trying to find some kind of consolation to whatever distress was going on. I was trying to find some consolation for her distress and my distress and my wife's distress. It was not fun. And you would, we would try all sorts of things. But finally, I think we just would all be so tired and we would... So what is consolation. I have a definition. Again, you can look it up in Webster. Comfort received by a person after a loss or a disappointment, or a person or thing providing comfort to a person who has suffered. My guess, if I took a poll here, every single one of us has either suffered or knows somebody who has suffered. Every one of us know what, how important it is to find some kind of consolation. But we live in a world, the world has different answers for consolation. I don't know if you know that or not. But if you take a look around, there's all sorts of things. So I asked Carrie, Carrie, find some pictures and here's some ideas. So here's, here's some pictures. Like on that top left, I don't know if you know people, but I do. They find consolation in gambling. And, and sometimes it becomes an addiction. And they get lost in that and they... In some way, they find some sort of consolation, but it doesn't last long. And then you could look at um, the remote. I believe, I don't remember exactly, but probably at that time where I was having my firstborn, I was still into video gaming. 
and um, I would have a remote, I would play, maybe I'd even have a remote in my hand while Rose was in my arms, trying to get some kind of stress relief and consolation um, in those moments. Um, then uh, that, the picture up on the right is, for me, it's like my wife, Kristen. She finds consolation in reading. And she would read and read and read and read and read and read, get lost into that. Uh, next sec set of pictures, um, food, food, food. Pizza used to be my food. That would be my comfort food. Now, as some of you know, it's peanut butter cups, Reese's. So for those of you that have contributed to my consolation, thank you. Um, I'm trying to be good now, especially when I get into 2021, to leave some of that behind. Um, <clears throat> exercise, as you could as you can see in that picture, there are some people that find consolation and stress relief and all that in there. And as you could tell, I'm not one of those people. And then the last picture, and this one's rather sobering, but there are people that will turn to medicine and drugs to find consolation. All of those come knocking at our door. I came across a quote from a pastor up uh, in Minneapolis area several years ago, and it has stuck with me, and I'm going to share it with you probably three or four times in the rest of the sermon. And here's the quote. God prepares a person to receive Christ by stirring up a longing for consolation and redemption that can come only from Christ. So if I could, I'm going to reword it a little bit so you can kind of get where I'm going. God prepares a person to receive Christ by stirring up a longing. And here's what I think he does. He uses the circumstances of life to get our attention and create a longing for consolation that only comes in Jesus. And I'm going to say this, and I, you've heard me say it before. I don't believe, with my, I, with my whole heart, God is not the one who brings cancer into somebody's life. It's sin. It's the effect of sin. It's, it's, it's part of this world that we live in. But what God does is he'll use a moment like that, an illness, a death, a financial debacle, you name it, whatever's going on. He will use those things to stir within us a longing for some kind of consolation that truly can only be found in Jesus Christ. That's what he does. That's how he works. Now, on the one side, just as much as God is relentless to do it. I mean, he is working 24-7. He is working hard to get our attention and, and to stir within us this desire to get consolation in Christ. On the other side, I believe that the devil himself attempts to have us find consolation in anything but Christ. And he is at every corner and every turn wanting us to find consolation in something temporal or short-lived. And that's just how he works. We can go back to the creation account and we get that moment. Uh, Carrie found a beautiful painting, if I can have that up on the screen, of, of what the Garden of Eden might have looked like. And if you look close enough, you're going to see what I call the very tame, passive animals getting along with, coexisting with, what we think right now today are pretty violent, intense animals. So just picture this. The lion, very intense, aggressive, and the lamb, 
That was the Garden of Eden. It was beautiful. It was peaceful. It was everything God intended it to be. And then if you look you know, back in the foreground, you see Adam and Eve. Now, I don't know if that's actually the tree that they're not supposed to eat from, but they were there. And we find in the story in Genesis that the devil himself goes to Eve and says, did God really say that? He just doesn't want you to be like him. And so enters in the deceit, the temptation, the fall into sin. And ever since then, mankind has been looking for consolation. And sometimes we, we find it in the wrong places. But it's not just there. But we even look at the life of Christ. And we go to uh, 30 years after the birth. So we could picture Jesus in this little manger. But 30 years later, he's getting ready to start his public ministry. We don't have a lot of account about him for the first 30 years, but around 30, he's getting ready to start. He fasts for 40 days. He is in a very vulnerable situation and place. Enters the, um, Satan himself. He comes into the moment, and he tempts Jesus with three things. Number one, remember, food. Hey, take these stones, turn them into bread. You're hungry, come on, be reasonable. Find consolation in your hunger in making this. Do you remember what Jesus said? He said, no. And he says, man shall not live on bread alone, but by the word of God. So he, he redirects it, and he says, I'm not going to go by your, your way, your beat of the drum, Satan. I'm going to keep staying on the course that God has given me. Or the second temptation, we, we have Jesus being taken to the temple, to the pinnacle of the temple, the top of the temple. And he says, hey, well, if you're going to use the Bible, I will too. It says in the word of God, the angels will be given to take charge over you. In other words, we'll protect you. Jump off this thing. Because I really do believe that Satan knew that if Jesus would jump off of it, he would become known as this great magician, this, this person, and they would get they wouldn't really understand the purpose why Christ came, and Christ said no to that. And then the third one was, he brought him up to a mountain, said, hey, if you bow down, worship me, you see all these kingdoms and you see all this treasure, that's for you. Wouldn't that give you some sense of purpose and meaning and consolation? And once again, Jesus said, no. He stayed the course. He came with a purpose. So he went through all of that, and stayed the course to be the Savior. Let's go back to that quote again. God prepares a person to receive Christ by stirring up a longing for consolation and redemption that can come only from Christ. So God, the uh, author and, and the one that made this heaven and the earth, the creator, is going to use the circumstances of your life and my life, Okay, some of those very painful moments that may be coming through your mind right now, he wants to use those moments to stir up a longing to find peace and consolation and comfort that will not come from this world, but will only come from Christ. So now I want to bring you back to the story a little bit. We're going to go one month after the birth of Jesus. It's now time to bring this little baby to the temple. It's, it's the customary thing for Jews. 
And as they come, they make their way in. An individual named Simeon sees them. And he was told, okay, prior to all of this, and we don't know exactly how long ago because he's old now, you are going to stay alive until you get to see the Savior, the Messiah. And here's the text that we find. Simeon was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And when he saw this Jesus, he held Jesus. He held Jesus in his hands. And then he says, okay, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to depart this earth. For my eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. He knew that consolation had come. And then another story connected to this, same, in, uh, same moment, there was somebody named Anna. A little background to Anna. Anna uh, got married, and then shortly after, her husband died. And then she remained unmarried up until the age of 84. So we're thinking probably 65, maybe 70 years she was unmarried. And we're told that she would go to the temple day and night. She would pray and fast. And then she gets to see this consolation. And we're told in Luke 2, she, Anna, began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. So remember now, we have Simeon and Anna. We have this Roman era where the children of Israel have been oppressed dearly. They were going through difficult times. And we have two examples of people that have been waiting and waiting and waiting for the consolation that's not going to come from Rome, but it's going to come from God. They got to see this consolation. Once again, that quote, God prepares a person to receive Christ by stirring up a longing for consolation and redemption that can come only from Christ. So I'm going to just stop here before I go further. I want you to think about your life right now, whatever you're going through. Emotional, phys physical, financial, relational, social, I mean, I, whatever it is, where it is less than perfect and that it is causing you trouble, would you for a moment just picture the God of the universe wanting to use this to stir within you a longing to find comfort and consolation only in Christ? Not not in the medical world, not in the financial world, but that God would come and step into your life and give you this consolation that only comes from Christ. About 1,500 years after the birth of Christ and the life of Christ was an individual named Martin Luther. And, you know, some of you may know the story, but here's a quote that's going to help you understand the dilemma that he was having as a monk and as a priest under the teaching of the church at the time. He says, my situation was that although an impeccable monk, monk he, was, he was remarkable, I stood before God as a sinner troubled in conscience, and I had no confidence that my merit would assuage him or satisfy God. Therefore, I did not love a just and angry God, but rather hated and murmured against him. Because again, Martin Luther was frustrated. He wasn't finding peace in what he was trying to accomplish. 
Yet I clung to the dear Paul and had a great yearning to know what he meant. Night and day I pondered until I saw the connection between the justice of God and the statement that the just shall live by his faith. Then I grasped that the justice of God is that righteousness by which through grace and sheer mercy God justifies us through faith. And I love this last part. Thereupon I felt myself to be reborn and to have gone through open doors into paradise. I'm going to just say, as a human being myself, when I forget about the consolation that comes in Christ, the burden and the fear and the worry overwhelms me. And I wish I could tell you as your pastor that I'm 100% always there. I'm not. There are times I get caught up in my discomfort, my lack of consolation. I try to fix it myself. And it's only when I take that step back and I take a look at this, and I love this image, the manger and the cross connected. You can't pull them apart. The birth and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It is what brings consolation. When I remember that, something happens here. There is a peace that passes all human understanding. Again, the quote, God prepares a person to receive Christ by stirring up a longing for consolation and redemption that can come only from Christ. So that means when we look to the past, okay, and we look to the future, if by faith we, we believe this, it will give us a certain sense of power and peace. You know, when I think about 2020, um, Carrie found like three different images of 2020. Like the first one is this pandemic. It's covered the whole earth. It is a reminder how big and not so good it's been. If I can have it up on the screen, please. Then we get to th this image of 2020. They're not perfectly standing up and in order. They're kind of all messed up. Isn't that how we look at 2020 with COVID? It's been kind of a messed up year. And then this third one, 2020 with those face masks. It's been a, a weird year. A, a year of uncertainty. A year of more question marks. I mean, I look back in March when this first came upon, I didn't know anyone that had COVID. And I'm like, okay, what, you know, this is, this is real, I get it, but I don't... Well, now... I had it. Loved ones have had it. People close to me have had it. And so you could look at 2020 and you could say, where is God and what's going on with, with, with all of this? But remember, God is sitting there wanting to use the circumstances of life of 2020 to remind us that we can find peace in him. And then I thought about when we move forward and when we look at 2021, what do, what do we have in store for us? What do we know for certain? Only one thing. God's love for us. The scriptures say his mercies are new every day and great is his faithfulness. Let me share with you a couple more scriptures. One is from Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who eagerly waiting for him.
So as we go into 2021 and we have all these question marks, we can also have an exclamation mark that says, I know God will be with me. I know that he's going to be by my side. I don't know what the circumstances will be, but he will be loving and he will be with me. I love that. And as we await for him, he shows up. Maybe, maybe, maybe not his second coming, but I'll just tell you, he's going to show up at the hospital bed. He's going to show up when you're sitting at the computer and you're like, what am I going to do? There's just not enough money. Or as you look at your current job or you, your current relationship, he shows up. And as we wait for him, he's always faithful. Or how about this scripture from 2 Timothy? Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but, all, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So just this idea that because of the faith that the Holy Spirit has given me, we can await for something that is certain. And it's not a question mark. It is a truth. Or the last verse from 1 Peter 1. Set your hope. So as you look at 2021, maybe this could be your, your verse for 2021. Set your hope fully on the grace that is coming to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation. Now we, we know that he's here. We, we, we just celebrated the birth of Christ. We know he is real. He is present. He is loving. So we set our hope on him not on the things of this earth. May God give us such a faith to believe this and to live it out day in and day out. We're going to continue now in worship, uh, making a public proclamation of what we believe regarding God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who he is, what he's done, and how much he loves us. And we're going to use the Apostles' Creed. I'd like to invite you at this time to please stand and share that together with me. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And let me share with you the blessing that comes from God himself to his children and to his people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. this Christmas I'm gonna say a little prayer 
gonna stop here for a moment for the moment disappears the world's in a hurry this December city streets and shopping malls wish we could slow down and of it all wherever you are no matter how far come back to the heart the heart of Christmas live while you can cherish the moment the ones that you love Cherish the 